Welcome to this week's episode of the Shed Podcast. It is part two of one where we were joined with Muddy. And just a quick heads up, this episode does include uh, conversations about the death of a child. Enjoy. Wow, yeah, it's nice to know that there's, a, you know, there's, there's teachers like that out there who really do care about their students and really do go out of their way to, um, to uh, ensure they, uh, they uh, prosper and... Uh, you know, find things they enjoy, like like um like cricket. Like you said, um, your, your supply teacher influenced you into playing cricket, and that became your passion. So, uh, yeah, it's it's very nice to know that there's teachers like that out there. I mean, these days, I'd say I'd say it's probably fifty fifty teacher wise. Some of them, some of them are very sort of driven. They have a good relationship with the kids. Um, they know how to they know how to engage a classroom, whereas other ones you just kind of get the feeling that they don't really want to be there and they don't really care at the end of the day about uh, about the kids. They're just there for the pay. But, yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, 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 you know, in the university, I see that every day where there are some, um, there are some academics, there are some teachers that they just do the minimum for the students and then that's sort of it for them. Whereas for me, I, I guess my upbringing and the way I had things and the way it was so tough for me when I was growing up, clearly that's had some sort of impact on me because now I try and do as much as I can for students. If they're struggling, I try and help them um, as much as I can, even if it's just having a having a conversation with them, you know, just giving them yeah. that time to talk to them. Sometimes just, they just need someone to talk to. Yeah, just engaging with them on that on that extra level that sort of goes beyond, you know, just informal sort. No, just formal sort of, uh, you know, in, information being um, being projected onto a board and then just you know explaining through a all the uh, all the information that they need to write down. It, it's nice to know that there's uh, there's teachers out there who can uh, you know sort of form a relationship with the students and and really I, I think that's uh, that's the key to uh, the key to making students listen to you is the um, the way you interact with them and the way you treat them. If you treat them with respect, then um, mm. they're a lot more likely to listen to you. Whereas if you get teachers, I'm, I'm talking from a from a sort of secondary school A level kind of perspective over here. But um, if you were uh, if you treat your students with respect, then um, they're more likely to show you respect. Whereas if you just turn up, don't really make an effort, or you just you just grumpy with them, and uh, you kind of give the impression that you don't want to be there, that's when you that's when the class starts to uh, starts to mess around and they don't take you seriously. So um, yeah, yeah it makes it makes a big difference. And you know, um, you, you said before about you know my motivation to keep going and things. And one of the re- I guess another reason why. Um, I'm sort of on a level with my students is because I remember how tough it was for me when I was doing my access course and I was doing those four A levels because it was hard for me to do all of that work, but to also do my own work where I was actually trying to earn some money. I had a young family at the time. Um, so I, I obviously was trying to provide for my daughter. And I yeah. tell you, there was, uh, there was times when I had to go hungry to make sure that she ate. And I'll, I'll give you a little example. Um, I was coming home one day, I, I, can't, I think I was coming home from cricket and I stopped off at Sainsbury's because I really needed a drink, really badly yeah. wanted a drink. So I stopped off at, off at Sainsbury's um, and, I, and I got a bottle of Vimto and it was 80p or 85p or something. I was like, yes, I'll have some of this. Mm-hmm. I went to pay and I used my card and my card got declined. I didn't have 80p in my bank account. Oh, no. So that's what, so, so I guess I, I understand and I've, hundred percent appreciate how hard it is and how hard it has been for for students and for people especially during covid yeah yeah covid is i'd say been very difficult for uh 
for students. If anything, it's probably been been harder for that sort of age group than it has any other, because um, you know, to to go to go to university and um and pay God knows how many how much money it is per term just to do online lessons. You know, I feel like you kind of the the university experience itself is sort of uh, sort of wasted, and obviously you yeah, have less it, opportunity to leave the room, and it must just get very claustrophobic. Especially to the point where, if you joined um, last year, it's two years of uni. Really, you've missed out yeah. um, completely, and you know they're paying for accommodation that they're not even allowed to stay in by of that point, and it's just a scandal what's happened with the unis. Yeah, yeah, I'm very grateful that uh, you know I wasn't going to uni, uh, you know, just just before COVID. So um, hopefully things will be back to normal completely by the time I'm applying for a uni. I mean, if uh, if the um, you know, what's it called this this whole this whole system that Boris has has put in place for us to come out of restrictions actually ends up succeeding, and by is it June the twenty first, everything will be back to normal. Yeah. I mean, by the sounds of it, I should be fine because I, I probably won't be going to uni until at least probably 2022. So, um, yeah, yeah, Ho- hopefully, hopefully we'll be all right. I might have got the maths off a bit there, actually. I was trying to think. I've got another year at college and I'll be going. I might take a year off. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But... It's a long road, isn't it? Either way. Yeah, but by the time I'm going to uni, it'll be fine. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. You would hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. So anyway, it, it just, it really does, uh, you know, cr- credit to Muddy. He really has worked his way up from nothing. And, uh, and he's made something of himself, you know, from nothing. He's worked his way up. He's uh, gone down the right path. And now he's, he's redeeming the, uh, the benefits of, you know, working hard. So uh, well done, Muddy. Congratulations. Uh, thanks. But it is all down to hard work. You know, you, yeah. nothing nothing gets given to you. Nothing's easy in life. Um, but the main thing is you never give up. You will always face challenges and hurdles. And there will always be things trying to stop you from moving forward. People will be dragging you down. They'll be trying to take you, you know, down the wrong path and things like that. But um, just never give the, the main thing I try to get across to people and to students in everything that I do now is that it's never wrong to do the right thing and always do the right thing. Um, and hopefully then that will, it will make a massive difference to the way you do things and then you'll be successful. Yeah. It's been very inspirational. And, um, so another thing that, um, that I wanted to mention is Muddy's new quote unquote business venture of which he's, uh, he's founded. And it is. Um, go on, you, you can explain what it is, Muddy. <laughs> uh, well, it's called Rainbow Wax and Fizzies. So, um, you know, you can check it out on Instagram at the moment. Uh, yeah, so I, I hand make um, bath and skin products at home. And the reason I got into this is because my uh, youngest daughter, who's one years old, she was suffering um, from severe eczema. You know, it was it was all over her body and she was in agony, screaming, pain. Um, we took her to the doctor so many times and everything they prescribed, we tried uh, lotions and moisturizers, creams, everything. Um, it was all sort of, there was a lot of steroids involved, a lot of drying agents and things like that, but nothing helped. We spent so much money trying to find something for her. Um, and there was one day where she was in the bath playing with her sister and we took her out of the bath and her skin was just so red. She was burning up. She was in pure agony, screaming her head off. And I just got fed up and I thought, surely there has to be a way. There has to be something to help people who've got skin conditions. 
um, where they can just sit in the bath without, you know, being in agony. Um, so I did a lot of research um, and I tried a lot of things. I probably worked on uh, one in, one recipe for about two months. And because of all the other things that I do, I was um, staying up until like two, three o'clock in the morning working on this recipe. And after a couple of months, um, I thought I, I've cracked it. I figured it out. So then I, I made a, it's like a bath bomb. I call it a bath fizzy. I made this bath fizzy. We put her in the bath. We tried it. Um, nothing happened. Her skin didn't react negatively. It was all fine. She wasn't in any pain. Honestly, we did that every day. And after three days, her skin completely cleared up. And we were like, whoa, what the hell's wow. going on? <laughs> this is crazy. So when we took her to the doctors. The doctor was like, listen, you need to somehow market this product because this is insane when you see the results you see the wow. before and after yeah so um so it's going well thanks uh it, it's been a few months now that we've been at it um everything's in the process of being tested as we speak so we've got certificates coming through to have everything done and then hopefully um we can get out there and get in some shops we've already got a shop lined up in bramall that wants to stock the products wow that's great yeah brilliant, um, brilliant. so yeah. it's so it's going okay so we, we've got a lot more products coming out as well like i said check out the instagram um rainbow wax and fizzies and you'll see the different things that are coming out yeah yeah, yeah but yeah, it'll, it'll be linked in the um spotify description for anyone that wants to go check it out just click the link send you straight there great yeah so it's all the ingredients are all sort of natural and organic so there's no there's no irritants in there whatsoever so it's completely um it's completely you know it's, it's not corrosive whatsoever to a to a even a one-year-old's skin it's um completely natural Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, there, there, no drying agents, no alcohols, no rubbing alcohols, no ethanols, none of that stuff. No parabens, paraffins, nothing like that. Um, but also we wanted to um, just try and help the environment a bit as well. So we want to be um, an eco-friendly company. We want to be an environmentally friendly company with products that don't have any plastic. So not only do the products not have any plastic, none of our packaging has any plastic either. Wow. So everything's recyclable and reusable. So um yeah, check it out. That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, that's, that's very, uh, very respectable. Uh, you know, side, little side hustle you've got going on there. Um, very inspirational. It's um, you know, it's come from a from a personal place. He's uh, he's he's, he's seen the um, you know, the effects of um, not not very um, innocent sort of products, bath products, and uh, he's going to overcome that by creating his own product that is um, you know completely harmless so um yeah it's uh if, if you're after anything like that make sure you're make sure you're following muddy's instagram um rainbow wax and fizzies i think it was make sure you're following it uh the shed podcast official account follows it so uh you can, you can find it through there and obviously like jake said you can you can go on the link um yeah make make sure if you're after anything like that you you support muddy's business by by buying one I really appreciate that, guys. And uh, just then when you were talking about personal experiences, let me tell you something very personal about me. Um, yeah. And I guess what sort of helps to helps you to keep going forward. And, and I don't mind sharing this story. Uh, and, I, and I hope it's OK for me to share this. Yeah, a few yeah, years on. ago, a, a few years ago, it was 2017. Um, my son passed away. And it was a time where I was in my second year at university. I had loads going on at university. Um, I was still working part time and doing things as well. So it was sort of in the middle of where I wanted to um, where I wanted to be. And at that time, of course, that was devastating. And, you know, there were times where I just wanted to give up and I didn't see the point of carrying on and doing things. Um, 
but there was a point where I sort of challenged myself. I thought, well, look, I could either turn this into a into something that's really negative and I can just give up on everything, or I can try and be positive and use it as motivation to try and make my son proud. So that's yeah. the road I decided to go down. And when I was in second university, I was just I was achieving average grades. You know, they weren't amazing and they weren't rubbish. They were sort of in the middle. They were they were okay. But then after that happened and I set myself this challenge, um, I, I worked incredibly hard. You know, I put my head down and I worked 10 times harder than I was before because I made this promise to myself. I was going to try and make him proud and do well. Um, it got to sort of end of second year and I, I did really well in exams and assignments and things. And then it got to third year. And then, you know, every exam that I did, the, the uh, results were getting better and better and better. Um, and it got to a point where I received, you know, the, the highest grades the university has ever had and things like that. Um, so, you know, you, you when something happens in life that is truly challenging and it, and it really affects you and it can bring you down, crashing down, um, just think about how you can use that in a positive way. How can you can use that for motivation? Um, that's what I did. And I've never looked back since, you know, and I'm, I'm proud to say that I've got a, a great job now and I'm doing really well. And, and now I never need to worry about not having ATP in my account. So, you know, you can really take it onto a, another level and do well with your life if you stay positive. Yeah, yeah. It's a very touching story. I'm sure he'd be very proud. Yeah, it, you know, it really does show what kind of a person uh, Muddy is to overcome so much and still achieve such great things in the long run. It really is very, uh, very inspiring. Yeah, absolute inspiration. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you want to move on to the, um, you know, the restaurant experiences topic that we, yes. uh, that we had planned? So, um, Muddy, you said you got some, uh, you got some funny stories regarding, you know, restaurant experiences and, uh, you know, t- time, times away of your, you've encountered unexpected things whilst, um, whilst in restaurants. So, um, would you care to share some of those with us? Well, let me tell you the good experiences first. Um, one of the nicest restaurants I've ever eaten at was, uh, it was owned by Marco Pierre White. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a famous uh, chef, I think he was Gordon Ramsay's teacher, but he's still a very oh, famous chef. He wow. does master chef and things. Yeah. Um, so I went to his restaurant, and that was amazing. Um, I also went to a, a really nice restaurant in Guernsey, um, and it was a place called the Saint Pierre Park Hotel. And the restaurant there, I remember, uh, I, I had my main course. It was amazing starter and all that. It was great. Then the dessert came out, and there was a, a caramel helix standing up in the dessert. Now, whenever you have a dessert and there's a caramel helix standing in it, you know that's going to be amazing. <laughs> and you know what? It was, it was brilliant, that dessert. And I felt really out of place because it was just full of all these posh people. Oh, it uh, would be in Guernsey especially. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and there was that, uh, it's like a golf resort as well. So, you know, you've got all these posh people and then you've got me, just the only brown guy <laughs> sat there in the hotel, um, you know, with this with this caramel helix that I was munching on. It was really loud as well. I was making this crunch and snap. <laughs> and was looking at me. Um, when it comes to the other side, the other experience, uh, I've got to tell you this story when I was in India. Um, now, when you go to India, or if you ever go to India, it, it's a it's a complete eye opener because you have the filthy rich. And then right opposite, you've got the extreme poverty. And mm. there's, there's nothing really in the middle. There's, there's such a big divide. And I, I, um, 
when I went there, I went the last time I went was in 2007, and I went there to play cricket. So I was there for for a few months, and I was in Mumbai, and I paid this taxi driver 40 pounds to stay with me for a full week. So I paid 40 pounds, which was over it was over the top. I think I only should have paid him about a tenner. Yeah. But he was like my private driver. Um, he was always there for me. Took me wherever I wanted, always on time. So we were at these traffic lights, and uh, the <laughs> Sorry, so funny, sorry. We're at these traffic lights and there's a there's like a little restaurant cafe thing on the corner. So I was like, listen, stop there. Let's let's go and eat in there. I want to taste, you know, authentic food. So it's like, yeah. all right, come on then. So we went in and um we, we, we sat outside at this table and the food the, the food is okay. It wasn't amazing and it wasn't terrible. It was it was just okay. It was you know, you can eat it, it's fine. Yeah. But the reason I remember it so well is because I was just observing, you know, the, the cars going past and people and things. And the, at the traffic lights, this Ferrari pulled up. And I was like, wow, you know, look at that Ferrari. That's amazing. And as I was admiring this Ferrari, this boy, he comes up, to, well, not up to us, but he sort of walks past us. And then there was a little drain um, by the side of the road. And he has this paper in his hand. And, and he's completely naked, by the way, this boy. And he, <laughs> he, he was about 12. 12, 13, completely naked boy. He, he walks past, so I'm trying not to look at him. I'm looking at this Ferrari. And then, but then you can't. And then he sort of stops, and he's not that far. He's probably about five or six yards away from us. And he's got this newspaper in his hand, and he lays out this newspaper perfectly on the floor. And I'm like, and now I've got to look at this boy because I'm like, well, what is he doing? So I'm, I'm, I'm eating, and, and the food is okay. And I'm watching him. He lays his newspaper down perfectly. And then he does this semi-squat hover thing above the newspaper. (laughs) Above the newspaper. And he poos right there in the street (laughs) on the newspaper. And it flops onto the newspaper. And I'm eating. I thought I was eating. And I I felt so sick. I said to my driver, where the hell have you brought me? And he's like, mate, you wanted to stop and eat it. (laughs) And he's like, just think about it. When an Indian taxi driver doesn't even want to eat somewhere, you should know that that's not a place to go. Oh, Oh, my God. This Ferrari zoomed past and this box. The best thing was when he'd finished, he sort of used the rest of the newspaper to clean himself up. And And then he packaged up. The, the, you know what he's done on the foot he, he packaged it up and he took it with him <laughs> oh, that's, I couldn't believe it where oh, was my... he taking it Jesus oh, Christ my God. use it as compost oh <laughs> god it was absolutely mental oh. uh, I could not believe it I'll never forget that oh god um, I could see where that one was going because um, my mum went travelling in India for a while and she said that a lot of people there don't even have access to a toilet. So uh, yeah, they just yeah. dig a little hole and then they just get a bucket of water and like sort of wash themselves with the bucket of water. Well, well, there when you go, um, and it's very often you're in the big cities when you go to a train station, uh, there'll be lines of people on the, sort of on, on the platform, on the train tracks themselves. Uh, just squatting down, just doing their business there because there's nowhere else to go. You know, yeah, they, yeah. they either live on the train platforms, uh, the train station platforms, or they live in little tents on the street. And that's the that's what I was talking about. There's such a big divide. You've got filthy rich, and then you've got the complete other end where people have absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, so you've got to appreciate uh, another story. This is another one from India. Cle- clearly, there's a thing about India and food. <laughs> uh, I, I, I went to this. Um, it, it was like a food car. And it, I, I was having this little pastry thing with uh, it was it was like sweet chili sauce. Um, it's hard to describe. Anyway, it was amazing. I absolutely loving it. 
and I was asking for more and more and more. And he gave me, they're only small, so I probably had about 20 of him. <laughs> anyway, and I'm like loving it. And then as I turned to him, when I, when I was nearly finished, and I was like, okay, I'll just have a couple more. He was dripping in sweat and he didn't have any gloves on or anything. He was making them with his hands. And I never really thought anything at the time. But then I saw him wipe his head with his hand, all this sweat on oh. his head. And then with that same hand, he dipped it into the sauce and started pouring the sauce into my little pastry <laughs> and then handed it to me. And I'm like, wow, ah, now I know oh. why it was so juicy and nice. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, never, never, ever eat something or drink something in India that, that has oh, been opened. God. Always get sealed stuff because you get ill. No matter what, you get ill when you get there. Yeah. In fact, um, the Aquinas do a, uh, do a trip to India, don't they, Jake? And um Yes. Some some of the boys in my sister's year, I'm not going to name any names, but um, they went to like one of these one of these I don't know I don't know if you call it a slum or whatever one of the very yeah, you know, yeah. poverty stricken areas, and um, they were told one one specific thing was to not drink the uh, not drink the tap water, and obviously mm. they went and drank the tap water, and one of them I'm pretty sure one of them came down with cholera. They were all they were all <laughs> ill for like two weeks because they didn't have the bottled water they used the tap water yeah. so uh, it really puts into perspective you know how how poverty stricken india can be and yeah. um, also with with the recent uh, obviously india is probably one of the worst countries on the planet for covid right now yeah, crazy. Case, cases are through the roof and um, i've heard reports that all the restrictions that are being put in place are very much sort of tailored to the upper class and sort of uh, benefit the uh, the upper class uh, so the, the sort of um, they're sort of picking and choosing who these restrictions apply to in order to um, shut off the majority of the country but keep things open for, for you know, the, the, the richer people, which, uh, which is very unfair. But I suppose that there's not really much you can do about it, is there? No, and, you know, that's the thing with India. Money talks. If you've got money, you can live... If you go to India with, I'd say, a grand of spending yeah. money, you live like a king, honestly. It's yeah. ridiculous. You can literally have anything you want. in 2007 when I went there to play cricket I bought a cricket bat for um, I think it was 10,000 rupees which worked out at about £100 it was £100 or £110 I bought this cricket bat from there and I took it back to the village where the family's from and um, my cousin, I was showing it to my cousins and they were like how much you get that back for? I said ten thousand rupees, and they were like, "What? Oh my god! You spent that much money? You yeah. can buy it. You can buy a rickshaw or a motorbike for like fifteen thousand. Um, and they couldn't believe that I'd spent ten thousand rupees wow. on a cricket bat because they yeah. were like, "That is so much money. How can you afford that?" And I was thinking, it's only hundred pound. You know, I can, yeah. I can afford hundred quid on a cricket bat. Um, and we're talking about water. I'll tell you another story. Um, when I was a kid, because I used to go to India every year with my dad um, to see his parents. And it, it, my grandparents' house, they, there was no running water. Uh, there was a well on the street, but a woman had jumped into the well and killed herself. So the well was sort of, you, you weren't allowed to use it. You couldn't get yeah. the water from it. Um, so they had to go to the, the river and get the water from there. So, um, so somebody would go there with a massive pot uh, dip it into the river, get the water, put it on their head, bring it back. You might have seen it on like TV adverts and stuff. Mm -hmm. So they, they bring it back and then you're drinking this water from the river. Now in this river, humans swim in that river. Um, buffaloes are given baths in that river. So you can imagine it's not sort of the, the, the cleanest water that you'll find. Mm. Um, but that's what it was like. No wonder I got ill all the time. You know, deli belly, that phrase, it's no joke. It's a real thing. Yeah, it's not the food, it's the water. <laughs> <laughs> Just everything. The yeah. whole environment makes you ill. 
Yeah, I bet it does. It's a, it's very sad. Yeah, um, I I always I always find a way to bring up a Top Gear special, but um, on the uh, <laughs> on the <laughs> I always find an excuse to bring one up because I just love Top Gear that much. But um, on the uh, the India trade mission that they went on, um, you know, when they're walking around Delhi, you can see you can see a lot of people who were like like the Dabblewallers or whatever they were called. Um, there's a lot of people who are they clearly have next to nothing, and then as soon as they as soon as they threw that um. That sort of um, party, you know, where they um, they have the the, yeah, yeah. the self driving lawnmower on display, yeah. stuff like that. You could see that people people just appeared out of nowhere in the most expensive cars and the most expensive clothes. They just appeared out of thin air, and um, it was it, it kind of um, it didn't actually mention it on the on the, on the show, but it kind of uh, you know puts into perspective the um, the difference between between the uh, you know the, the wealthier people and the people who've just been you know left to fend for themselves by uh, by indian society it, it really is very sad but hopefully in the next few uh, in the next few decades we'll see some we'll see some improvement and some more sort of um equality you know financial over so, there. Wouldn't you? yeah well so. well let's let's hope for the best well in the middle of mumbai you've got um I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still the most expensive house in the world um and that's in the middle of mumbai and and the owners of that house they own uh, the Mumbai Indians cricket team in the IPL. Um, yeah. So you can imagine, you know, you've got the, the most expensive house in the world across the road from people living on the street. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Just, yeah. it's such an eye opener, honestly. And you think, wow, do you know what? I am so lucky. I mean, our biggest, in, in, our biggest inconvenience now is that it might be raining outside. Oh no, mm. I haven't got my wellies or Greg's is closed. But oh, yeah. there they're like, do you know, I need to actually go and hunt um, plastic bottles because then I can wash them and I can sell them and make a little bit of money to feed my kids. It's, yeah. you know, it, it really puts things into perspective. Pe- people over here really do have no idea what it's like in, in other countries. It's uh, it's very sad. No, even now, I mean, so we've um, we mentioned Ramadan before and I you know, talked about fasting and we yeah. have to give charity. You, you can't. You can't fast and not give charity. It, yeah, it yeah. just doesn't work. You can't do one or the other. You've got to do everything. So um, one of the things I do is to is I sponsor an orphan. So every year for the past 10 years or something, I've sponsored an orphan. And what that means is I pay for an orphan's uh, school fees, their food, their clothes, all of that stuff. And, you know, it's not a lot. It's £100 for a year. Um and I'm not saying this to sort of get props or anything, but I do. I would tell you to encourage you to give to other people as well if you have something. Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, look after yourself, look after your family first. But if you do have anything to spare, just give it to somebody that that needs help. And I promise you, it will come round to you and will help you one day when you need help. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Karma, karma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a very respectable thing to do. If any, if anyone here's got any, uh, you know. Got any spare time? Make sure you're make sure you're giving to charity and uh, make make sure your parents. I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast right now has got a hundred quid to spare, or at least their family has. So um, it really does make a difference. And for a hundred quid as well to sponsor a child, I'm, I'm assuming that covers uh you know tuition, food, all the necessities. It really it really does put into perspective um, how how much of a difference it can make. You know, for for such an insignificant thing over here that can that can change a child's life. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be something like that, you know. Even if it's just um, helping, if you see an animal, you know, when we get into summer and things are getting, you know, weather gets hot, 
Um, if you see it, just some, something as simple as maybe a bee that's on the floor, it's struggling, you know, a bit of uh, a bit of sugar and water to help yeah. the bee. Even that's charity. Even that's yeah, giving. Yeah. So it doesn't even have to be anything big, just something small. You help something, it will come back to you. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, yeah, you know, I agree with you there. It's uh, it's very important to uh, to help people and be nice to people. Otherwise, otherwise, if you're not if you're not bringing any good into the world, what's the point in being there? You know what I mean? Yeah, so we're, uh, we're the next yeah. generation. You know, we're we're the future. So um, yeah. it's it's what we make of it, and uh, you know, helping each other out, being nice, staying humble, uh, keeping yourself grounded, working hard. They're the sort of basics to to being successful and hopefully going on to have a, a decent life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Yeah, so uh, is there anything else we need to cover? Go on, Jake. You can talk. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, it's an admirable thing to do, especially when you think, as you were saying, Sam, it's something that can be so little to us, can be so much for other people. Mm. Um, You know, people really take for granted kind of what they have and just a little bit can go a long way. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, is uh, is that everything? Is that everything we uh we set I out think to so, cover? Mate. Yeah, I so, think uh, so. Th- thank you very much, Muddy, for coming on. I think I think it's safe to say this has been you know the most touching podcast we've had so far, and arguably the most interesting. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. It's been great to have you. Uh, we both have a lot of respect for you, Muddy, as a person, career-wise, yeah. and 100%. and personally. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. No, Jake, Sam, you know, it's an absolute privilege and an honour to uh, to be here and sharing sort of life experiences with you guys and with your listeners. Um, really appreciate you having me. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again another time. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. 100% we'll Definitely. get you back on. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you, mate. And uh, this will probably be a two-part one. Yeah, um, yeah. Because so, it's yeah. just... Yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah, it has. It's been very... I've enjoyed doing this. And uh, good luck with the rest of Ramadan as well, Muddy. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's not too bad. Um, yeah, I mean, the days are getting longer, but it'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for coming on. See you later.